Leonie's joined us. Hi, Leonie. I don't think I introduced myself before. I'm Fee, by the way. If you haven't met me, it's lovely to have you watching with us. Yeah. Thanks, Fee. How are you? Good, thank you. That's good. Leonie is going to lead us in a time of prayer. Um, one of the things that we love to do when we meet together is spend time talking to our God. Uh, we confess to him, we praise him, we ask him for the things that we need. Um, that's what we're going to have a chance uh, to do now. So thank you, Leonie. Great. Well, um, if you would like to pray with me, please join now. Heavenly Father, we know you love us with an everlasting love, and yet so often we still choose to live according to our will and not yours. And we are sorry for our selfish independence from you, and we thank you that through the death and the resurrection of your Son, you forgive us, you cleanse us, and you change us. And by your Holy Spirit, enable us to live for you and to please you in every way for your glory. And you, our God, are our ruler and our guide, and in your hands are the destinies of our country and every nation. And we give you thanks for the freedoms we have and for the many people who serve us, especially in the military, the police, emergency services, services and health workers. We thank you that a very different commemoration of Anzac Day still enabled communities to feel connected and we could still remember with great sacrifices, um, the great sacrifices that were made. We ask that your grace will enable us to live in a spirit of justice, of generosity and of peace. We pray for people everywhere, um, those that are overcome with heartache and grief and loss. Please comfort them as only you can. We pray for those that are struggling financially. Please provide for their needs and calm their minds. And may your presence be with everyone dealing with mental, emotional and physical health challenges at this time. Please equip them to manage uh, and to trust you. We pray for wisdom as our leaders continue to make decisions about what life is like in the midst of COVID-19. And we pray for a vaccine and effective treatment options to be widely available worldwide as soon as possible. Almighty God and merciful Father, we give you our humble and heartfelt thanks for all your goodness and loving kindness to us and to all people. And we rejoice in your greatness and power, in your patience and love, and in your mercy and justice. Enable us by your spirit to honour you in our thoughts, in our words and in our actions and to serve you in every aspect of our lives. And we pray this through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hey everyone. Um, we are going to try something technical, um, which is always fun. <laughs> um, hey, there she is. Hi Vanessa. Um, Vanessa is having a bit of trouble hearing us. So we're just going to throw to her and she's going to bring the Bible reading to us um, today. Um, it is from Daniel chapter 1. Because we're going to see Vanessa reading it to us, you won't be able to see it on your screen. So you might want to grab a Bible or pull out um, your device at the moment and look up Daniel chapter 1 so you can follow along um, as she reads to us. Yeah. Of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. 
And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles of the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring in some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men, without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that they were to enter the king's service. Among these were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. Thanks for that, Vanessa. So uh, we, as Fee said, we are starting a series in Daniel. Uh, and I'm looking forward to it. I really enjoy Daniel. It's one of my favourite Old Testament books, I think. And, uh, and so I'm looking forward to us uh, ha- having a go, uh, travelling through it, enjoying it. And, uh, and we're going to have a look at uh, this first chapter today. And it's a, there's a lot in there. And so I'm not going to go through everything, but I, I want to pick up one of the themes that runs through it. And I think a, a good way to start that off is by sharing a story that I came across this week. That is, uh, it's a story of a Perusian king that people may know. Uh, he's King Frederick the Great. Now, Frederick was not a Christian. He didn't follow Jesus. However, he had a general in his ranks, General von Zeelen. He was one of, he was one of the uh, most trusted officials that Frederick had. And he was a devout follower of Jesus. He loved Jesus. And he, he prayed regularly and entrusted himself to Jesus when he went off into battle. But the story goes that there was a festival, there was a gathering that the king had and he had a whole bunch of people in there and the general was one of them. And he began to make crude jokes about Jesus. So funny did everybody find these jokes that they were rolling around with laughter. Everyone in the room was in hysterics. All but this general, von Zeelen. Finally, the general rose and addressed the king. And here is what he said. He said, Sire, you know I have not feared death. I have fought and won 38 battles for you. I am an old man. I shall soon have to go into the presence of one greater than you, the almighty God who saved me from my sin, the Lord Jesus, whom you are blaspheming. I salute you, sire, as an old man who loves his saviour on the edge of eternity. Well, with those words, the whole place went silent. In fact, for the first time in such a large audience, this great king, his voice began to tremble. And he, he stuttered out, General von Zeeland, I beg your pardon, I beg your pardon. And with that, the party quietly ended. 
He was a man who loved Jesus with every part of who he was and he was not willing to shrink back. He was not willing to let this go on without saying something. He was a man who wanted to stand firm in his faith, in the one whom he loves, in his saviour, Jesus. Why is that story fitting for Daniel? Well, because when we look at the book of Daniel and we start in chapter 1, we see that Daniel and a whole bunch of other people have been torn away from their homes. They've been torn away from their families and they're forced to learn a Babylonian culture, a different language, to read different literature, to be immersed in a whole different thing and to even eat different food. In fact, they're even being forced to be obedient to a different king and to different religions. And this all came about because God's people, the nation of Judah, had been defeated by this Babylonian king, King Nebuchadnezzar. And they were taken off into cap- as captives. And we find at the beginning of our story, the beginning of Daniel 1, that these, uh, there were certain individuals that were chosen to be brought into the inner circle of the king. And these men are particular types of people who might actually be ones who might actually cause a rebellion. And so King Nebuchadnezzar is smart. He knows that if he's going to stop a rebellion, he needs to, to eradicate any identity, anything that, that connects these, these men to their past. And so he seeks to to force them into adopting a whole different way of living, becoming something else, adopting a a Babylonian identity. And so for Daniel and his friends that we find in Daniel, we see that they stand firm in their obedience to God even when there is pressure for them to not. When there is pressure for them to fall and to crumble, we have these great words, these great stories of encouragement of what it is to stand firm in amongst that pressure. And that's one of the, the themes throughout the book of Daniel. The pressure to stand firm when faith in God and faith in his word is immense. It's a wonderful theme. It's an encouraging theme. And something I'm, I'm hoping will be helpful for us as uh, we sit in our lounge rooms and in our, our self-isolation. And as we prepare for hopefully soon, hopefully soon, to be able to break out of those chains of isolation and to be with one another again. We find that Daniel and his friends, under pressure, stand firm under many occasions. And we have this first one in chapter, chapter 1. Now, we didn't read all of chapter 1 because it takes quite a while. I encourage you to have a read of it. But just after, we, uh, we see a whole story unfold. We see that Daniel uh, takes a stand with his friends. Now, we don't know why he takes a stand over food, of all things. It seems pretty trivial, pretty minimal, pretty, I guess, not much at all. We're not given reasons why he does that. We could speculate and say that maybe it had something to do with the the Jewish food laws, which meant that the food was unclean. Maybe 
maybe Daniel has the words of Isaiah 22 in his mind that this is not a time for feasting, it's more of a time for mourning because of the loss that they're experiencing. Or maybe even that uh, the, the simple fact that not eating at someone's table or eating at someone's table is a sign of loyalty and obligation to them. And Daniel and his friends don't want to, to show a sign of loyalty to anybody other than God, to be obedient to God only. I wonder if you're in this situation where Daniel is far from home, in a new strange land, and here he is brought into basically this king's university to be taught all the Babylonian ways and here he is given food the choice food from the king's table yet here he stands and says I will not eat that food I will, I want, I'm going to have a vegan diet I'm going to stand, make a stand here on this I will not eat this food I wonder if you if, if you were to advise Daniel and his friends in this moment what kind of advice would you give him as he was taking his stand? What advice would you give Daniel in this moment? I'd love for you to stick that in the comments so that we can, so I can see and we can all see uh, and see what creative ideas that we might have. But maybe we, we might say something to Daniel like, and Daniel and his friends like, guys, just chill out. It's just food. It's not a big deal. Like, we've all got to eat. There's food there. It's free. What's the big deal? Don't worry about it. Or maybe we we might say to him, well, think about all the important people that you might meet. If you eat the king's food, you might gain respect and you might become well known. Or maybe, maybe you could just be thinking, Daniel, just what are you doing? Like, don't take a stand on this. This is not something to take a stand on. It's not that big a deal. This is an opportunity for you to put your foot in the door. Why make a stand? This is, this is a great opportunity for you. Can you not see the, the prospects that could happen? If you get your foot in the door here, you could be second in charge one day. I wonder whether we would examine all the different angles that we could look at this situation in to think of some other way to move forward instead of actually standing and saying, no, I will not eat this food. I will not show a sign of loyalty to this king. I will not be obedient to this king and his God. I am obedient only to the one true living God. I wonder what advice we would give. I wonder if we would look through for all those angles and all those loopholes to jump through. There's a, a great quote, and now uh, I get this um, up on the, the screen. From um, G.K. Uh, Chesterton, he once said this. He said, there is an infinity of angles. There it is. There is an infinity of angles at which one falls, only one at which one stands. That's really interesting, isn't it? We spend so much time looking for the different angles in situations so that we don't have to stand out, where we can maybe take the easy road. But the thing is that there is only one angle for standing. And Daniel and his friends take that one angle, that angle of standing. Verse 8, just after the part that we read, we find Daniel says, 
I resolve not to defile myself. So I will not defile myself with these with this food. Daniel is determined to take a stand in obedience to God, to remain loyal, to put his trust in God. But here's the thing. To resolve without action really is only good intention. I don't know about you, but I'm full of good intentions. Like I will get up early and I'll exercise every morning and then I'll do all the fun things that I could be doing with all this extra time, which never happen because I never get up early. I'd like to sleep. I'd rather sleep. But I, I make that promise to myself, but I never actually action it. And so my, my resolves, my promises actually just become good intentions. And unfortunately, good intentions don't really get us far. But we see Daniel resolve, uh, resolves to take this stand and actually follows through. He puts into action what he says he will do. And he goes to the official and he says to them, I'm going to have this vegan diet. We all are. And you can come and test us in 10 days to see if there is any difference. And what we find is actually there is a difference. In fact, they are more healthier than everybody else there. And we see that they grow in wisdom and knowledge, which will be fantastic and helpful as they move forward, which we'll see in the coming weeks. And Daniel himself, we find, is actually able to interpret dreams, to understand dreams, which will play a big part in the next chapter next week. But we see that there is resolve and there is action. He follows through with it. And why does Daniel have, why does he follow through? Why does he have this confidence to stand firm? And let me just be really clear that when he stands firm, he knows the consequences that will come. Like we are talking life and death. We don't have to go that far into the, into the book of Daniel to see this. Chapters 3 and 6 come to mind as big ones. But Daniel and his friends have this confidence that they can remain, they can stand firm in their faith despite all these awful consequences if this all goes wrong. And we see this confidence on display, as I said, in chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse uh, 17 through to, to 18, we have these wonderful words. And these are words that are great words of encouragement and confidence for us too to read. When we might fear standing up and standing firm for Jesus. Here is what the friends of Daniel say in the face of being thrown into the, the blazing furnace. They say, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. How's that for determination? How's that for being solid in what it is that you believe in conviction? That they will not bow down no matter what whether they face the fear of a blazing furnace, they will stand firm in God and stand firm in the confidence that God will deliver them. And if he will not deliver them physically, he knows, they know that one day that they will stand delivered in his presence. What a beautiful and wonderful truth to hold on to. And that is what Daniel is about for these people in exile. It's a wonderful encouragement of what it is to stand firm when they feel, whenever they might feel tempted to not. See, they're in this strange land. And Daniel is determined to stand firm in his faith and his obedience to God, 
and his word no matter what. Now you and I, we find ourselves in a strange time. And my prayer for us is that, that we were not just, uh, that we would, sorry, my prayer for us is that we just be as determined as Daniel is to stand firm, to trust Jesus, to be obedient to God's word. As Daniel and his friends stand firm in their faith, we see that in these first six chapters, these wonderful stories of deliverance. And time and time again, as they stand firm for him, God delivers them from whatever may come. I'll give you a bit of a spoiler alert. If you haven't read Daniel before, but when they get thrown into the burning, uh, the, the burning furnace, the fiery furnace, they survive. Sorry, warned you, spoiler. And then in chapter 6, when Daniel gets thrown into the lion's den, again, a spoiler, so if you don't want to know what happens, turn away now. He survives. Again, time and time, they are delivered. Chapter 2, we'll see the same thing again. So these first six chapters of Daniel's is stories of Daniel and his friends standing firm to God and God delivering them. Time and time again. But not to be outdone by this, we get into the next six chapters. So Daniel's only 12 chapters, not super long. The last six chapters are full of corporate deliverance for the future. It's Daniel's vision of what will happen in the future. And we see time and time again in those visions, in what will come in the future, we see that there will be a greater deliverance, not just for individuals, but for many, for all who put their trust in God, who are obedient to him. Daniel is full of this encouragement to stand firm in him, to stand firm in God. Because we know that we will receive deliverance, whether it is in this life or in the life to come. Deliverance is assured. This is, this is the truth for us as we put our faith in Jesus. And see, for Daniel, I wonder, I wonder whether... Daniel had this mindset all along, right from the beginning, that he reflected on these little moments of deliverance, that as he was captive and put into exile and taken into Babylon, he was spared. He didn't die. He wasn't put to the sword. He was actually brought into the king's inner circle. God actually delivered him from death. I wonder if moments like that and many others those little small moments of deliverance might have actually been building uh, an assured hope in Daniel. I wonder whether he would have been seeing all these deliverances, these moments of deliverance, as a preview for that great final deliverance that he'll experience. Kind of like the preview of a movie. I love previews in the movies. I love watching those ones before, you know, when you go to the movies and you... The, watching the previews is one of my f- favourite parts. Getting an idea on the movies coming out and what is to come. These moments of s- these small little mercies, these little deliverances that Daniel experiences is a preview for that great deliverance of God's people that actually see Daniel through his 70-odd years in exile. 70 years of being away from your homeland under pressure to conform to compromise to change yet he stands firm stands firm in the the knowledge that God keeps delivering and will deliver 
See, things in this life, uh, sorry, things in, uh, things in life appear permanent sometimes when they're actually not. See, only God is what is permanent. He's the unchanging. And if we stand firm in him, we, stand with, we will stand with him on that day. We have that great promise that if we stand for him now, we will stand with our God forever. We are given that promise because we know that when Jesus came down from heaven and died on the cross, he defeated sin and death once and for all. So that when we stand for him, we stand in that victory. We, we stand in that amazing love poured out for us on the cross. And so therefore we can stand firm in the hope that we have for those who trust in this Jesus, where we will stand with him in heaven forever. There are these great words of uh, Paul in 2 Colossians, uh, sorry, 2 Corinthians, 2 Colossians, 2 Corinthians 4, where he says this. He says, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. See, in this moment of isolation, we might feel like our, our souls, like we are wasting away or getting bigger, one of the two, depending on how you're going with your eating while in isolation. Whatever it might be, we might feel like all hope is lost. We might feel like we are going through great difficulties and troubles. But here Paul, along with Daniel, is encouraging us that God has delivered us many a time. And we need to focus on those moments. I don't know if you can think of some, a time where God did something amazing in your life, where there was an opportunity that you didn't think you would have or a peace that was given to you in a time when you thought peace was lost or hope when you thought hope was lost. These little moments where God delivers us from these situations, the things that, these are these little previews that we have knowing that one day there will be one final great and amazing deliverance. Something that will be the best thing that we have ever known and ever will know. It is something that we cannot see now, but will happen. Daniel knew God would deliver his people out of exile. He couldn't see it, but he knew that God had been faithful and delivered him many times. So he had faith in God that he would do it, that he would deliver them. In the unseen moments, he fixed his eyes on something that was unseen. We too can do that. Our eternal deliverance, our, the kingdom that we are citizens of of heaven, is something that we can't see now. But we know that our God has poured out his mercy and his grace upon us time and time again. 
there are these small moments of deliverance so that we may see and know that what is unseen will one day be seen. And that is the hope that we have in Jesus. The hope that we have so that we may stand firm. The hope that we know that God's future deliverance is certain. And so my prayer for us is that we hold firm. That we hold firm to those, those small mercies knowing that something greater will come. And that we will stand firm now while we're in isolation. And that we'll be using that as practice for when we come out. Let me pray. Dear gracious God, we thank you for, Daniel, we thank you for the encouragement to stand firm. To, to not waver, to not shrink back. But to take our stand on you, our rock and our redeemer. And we pray that we would resolve to do so. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Soul Revival Church podcast. Just a reminder, if you want to watch any of these services that we hold live, you can go to soulrevivalchurch.com and you can see all the gatherings up the top of the page. You can choose any one you wish. It can be on Friday, Saturday or Sunday. Thanks again and one way. Music is OK by Ixon.